So first and foremost, I think the the addition of pant leggings is really when you start to see your heroes get watered down. Can't even muster the ability to play straight pants that one. Uh, which is a good argument for absolute rulers. Everybody is going to get behind me. They're going to love me, and my support numbers will go through. When you hang out with the hero, it doesn't go well for you. My grandfather yeah. took the cop and just slid it right through the bar. Okay. And that became the dominant way our family did it. Okay. And so, <laughs> in both of my marriages, they were treated to that. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, rage haiku. How do you imagine the rubber chicken point? My grandmother actually vacuumed in her pearls. Oh my god, it all makes sense. We've had the sexual revolution. It yeah. might have just been a Canadian standoff. We're gonna go back to 9 11. Dude, get over it. Mm-hmm. No Agra has no <laughs> business being that <laughs> thick. With the cultists, we all win. Shifting our flex classes, uh, which I guess I kind of have to explain. Uh, we have we have essentially what is a homeroom period at the beginning of every day, but uh, what we are doing with it is uh, every three weeks, uh, teachers shift from like you might be doing a, a general study hall one one rotation, then another rotation you might do a more focused kind of study hall like you know I'm going to be taking the kids who need additional reading tutoring and we're going to be doing exercises to work on that for uh uh, you know additional help for those kids who need that support and then to give the kids and the teachers a little bit of a break uh some of us also do uh enrichment classes we come up with whatever we want to do with the kids for 35 minutes a day four days out of the week and uh so my enrichment class this time around is lightsaber combat (laughs) And um, those of you who know me well might be like, wait, Ed, aren't you just using this as an excuse to show sword fight clips and lightsaber duels videos to your students? And you would be partially right. Um, But also uh, on Monday, uh, I have a whole bunch of pool noodles and the kids are going to use duct tape to put hilts onto uh, the pool noodles, and I'm going to then cut the pool noodles down to size for each individual kid, and then I'm going to walk them through the very basics of saber fencing. Um, and so when the weather is warm enough, which is going to be a little bit of an issue uh, this time of year where we are, um, we're going we're gonna to go out onto the quad between classrooms and all of the other flex classes are going to get to watch my kids swing at each other with pool noodles for 25 minutes a, a day. 
um, and wish and just wish they were nerdy enough to qualify. Um, and then on days when the weather is not so warm, uh, we will be inside and I will be showing them HEMA videos <laughs> and uh, lightsaber duels out of the uh, expanded Star Wars universe, uh, Clone Wars, etc. So um, I'm I'm really happy that I finally managed to make this happen because um, it's been all year until now before I was able to get all the all the pieces together at once. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very very excited, and uh, I actually took my one of my lightsabers uh, to school the other day and uh, had it out while I was doing supervision. Uh, out before classes started and the kids just about lost their minds so it was pretty cool so what are you doing what do you got going on well i'm damien harmony i am a high school history and latin teacher up here in northern california uh and i now live as of this recording i now live with a teenager Vaya con Dios, mi amigo. Oh, it's fantastic. I remember, um, I okay. do the best with these age. I have to be careful how I say this because people can clip it out and isolate it. So yeah. if I said, I love teenagers, um, in anything other than a mocking yeah, tone. Yeah, that's true. Right. So, but the group of yeah. kids that I vibe with the best, that I find the most reward in dealing with as a teacher and as an adult has forever been uh, kids on their way to adulthood. And okay. my son is five years shy of being an adult, and that is pretty rad. So I am stoked as can be. Um, all kinds of cool things. Uh, Very and cool. Just, you know, rites of passage type stuff. So it's going to be Very cool. It's going to be a fun, fun ride for the next five years. Uh, yeah. I've often said that um, if you're kind of a person who likes babies, um, you are buying cars. If you're a kind of a person who vibes with teenagers, you are buying a house. Because if you want teenagers that are the kind that you want to interact with, you have to put a lot of work in <laughs> as a parent mm. and investment of time, and you never yeah. get to stop. If That's you are the type point. of person who only vibes with babies, after 11 months, you've driven, driven them off the lot. They're no longer interesting to you. And that is that is a sadness. So uh, I <laughs> I am lucky that my temperament goes that way. Yeah. Because, so is oh your son. God. Yep. So yeah, is your son. True. <laughs> uh, so uh, an anecdotal story from from my own background, uh, in, influenced by his own relationship with his own father. When I was, I don't even know how many months old, uh, my, my dad at one point complained to my mother when they were brand new parents. He said, well, you know, he's not going to be any fun until he's like six months old. Yep. And then he's, and then he's going to be fun until he's like 18 months old. And then he won't be any fun until he's like four. And then he'll be fun until he's like 10 or, you know, it was, and, and then it'll be fun until he's 13 and then he won't ever be any fun ever again. Oh, <laughs> now, now I, I think I managed to, I think I managed to, to break that that curse i i you know sure. um but <laughs> but you know <laughs> gives yeah. you an idea of i think a a a a certainly a different outlook and i think 
for our parents' generation, perhaps a more common one. Well, likely. I mean, it, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. our generation was the second. Uh, yeah, because we were born of boomers mostly. Um, yeah. We were the second generation where a teenager. Well, my, I'm, I'm born of silence, but. Right. But I mean, most most of our yeah. generation is born of boomer. Um, and uh, that is that is the first generation, really, that was valued per se as its own thing, as the, mm-hmm. the concept of teenager. Um yeah. So it makes sense that people would always be afraid of that because it's it's a new category that they yeah, created. That makes sense. So anyway, uh, speaking of fear, um, last yeah. time we spoke, uh, <laughs> it was about the dark crystal. Speaking of fear, yes. Speaking Here we of go. Fear, Muppets. Yeah. Um, dark Muppets. Gothic Muppets. Very. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but last time we spoke, it was about the dark crystal and how yeah. that movie um was a. In many ways, like how George Lucas did a poor job of understanding Eastern philosophy, mm. um, Jim Henson did a poor job of understanding Middle East tensions. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. both of them seemed to dip their same patchouli in the same books um, when it came to mysticism. <laughs> I, You know, I, I feel like you're sugarcoating your opinion of their their take on on other people's spirituality i am i guess you know uh, i mean just be honest with us be free right. like you know don't <laughs> well have you noticed how they both sound similar i often wonder if like certain because they both kind of talk in the back of their throat like this you know you've got kermit the frog and you've got faster and more intense um I'm never going to be able to listen to George Lucas interviewed the same way ever again. Thank you. Sure. Thank you so much for ripping the veil from my ears. Glad to do it. Um, So Uh, I just, I just wonder if that, that way of talking uh, leads you toward a certain philosophy and, and lack of homework. Um, Or, or, or I'm going to posit here that, that the psychoneurological factors that lead one to take such a shallow take on other people's spirituality are also bound up with the kind of uh what's what i'm going to look look for uh, kind of kind of urge towards self-containment mm-hmm. that would that would lead one to you know kind of swallow one's own voice a little bit when one is talking that way sure you know could, could I, be that kind yeah, of yeah yeah absolutely i i don't want I to think, call either one of those guys up tight well okay george lucas i kind of want to call up tight yeah. but you know yeah i mean and then you have to also throw harold ramus into that because he also kind of talked he like kind of had the same yeah he kind of had just a lower kind of, lower voice it was a lower register when yeah, he, yeah it was kind of oh god <laughs> so i collect slimes and spores i collect spores molds and fungus, and fungus. yeah yeah so anyway yeah i don't know i don't uh, know um but here's what i know uh was that uh the dark crystal uh is, is it won the saturn award for best fantasy film in 1983 okay i i'd say deservedly so having been doing my own research into the fantasy films the that rest came of out the, in 83 the field. <laughs> yeah um and it it oh. entered into the era of the video cassette rental like talk about good timing oh yeah no yeah yeah, timing wise it it could not have come could not have done that better yeah right 
and plenty of daycares and parents went out and bought the VHS, the beta, the uh, the capacitance electronic disc, also known as a CED uh, version of it for home play. Um, the CED was there actually, weren't that many who yeah. bought the CED version. I'm just going to say like, that's true. as a percentage of the whole. That's a vanishingly small and market yet, share. And yet the Dark Crystal was on it. Um, well, the, yeah. For folks that don't it was know, probably also on Laserdisc, wasn't it? That's you're getting ahead of me. Oh, um, sorry. So uh, for bad. folks who don't know, the CED, which is the capacitance electronic disc, um, it's a really weird attempt at using phonograph technology, phonograph technology uh, to do what cassette tapes did much better when it came to movies. Um, but The Dark Crystal was one of 250 titles that got pressed on CED, a medium that was so problematic that it only lasted from 81 to 86 um, and then it, it it disappeared. It cost millions of dollars to the company that that really put a lot of stock into it. Anyway, the HBO oh, video RCA, right? Yes. Yeah. The okay. HBO video company re-released the Dark Crystal on cassette in 1988 once VHS cassettes were the dominant medium. And they'd also by that point come down in price. Um, I remember being a kid okay. and my parents spent over $80 on the Three Amigos VHS, uh, which holy crap, that was normal and adjusted for inflation. That's like $230 for it today. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's huge. Yes. I mean, admittedly, it was a good comedy, but my God. Yes. Yeah, we didn't own we we had blank tapes. VHS. We were VHS from the very beginning. Oh, we're going to get to that. Okay. We're going to get to the blank um, tapes. Okay. Yes. But like, yeah, no, yeah, the prices of, of owning a movie on VHS in the beginning was, or Betamax on any of them, mm -hmm. was way high. Yeah. Yeah. Shit was expensive until Batman came out, as I recall. Uh, the main reason that pre-recorded VHS movies were so expensive was because they generally did not get sold directly to consumers. Um, they were sold to rental stores and rental stores would buy them and then rent them out to the consumers. Right. So yeah. to buy one was a hell of a commitment, which rental stores banked on making money from. Since most new movie rentals were from one to three days, you'd normally charge three to five dollars per rental in the mid 80s. Um, that meant that in the course of a year, you'd make three to five hundred dollars per tape. So an eighty dollar investment will still net you anywhere from 220 to 420 uh per tape in investment and now you multiply it out by a whole store you have an entire row mm. of this new movie um so an 80 dollar investment wasn't really considered unreasonable especially when you'd have multiple copies of that movie but as you had uh jumped ahead and pointed out like people had blank cassettes right and people found a way to record vhs to vhs and because of that, the cost actually ended up coming down. Um, and the the watershed year for that was 1988, by the way. Top Gun mm. and E.T. both dropped their price from 80 down to 28 and then down to 1995, where the price point mostly stayed. Um, and since wow. those were such big movies, it sent a pretty clear signal. Um, that because, dramatic could drop that fast. Yeah, well, here's why. When people would spend 6 to $10 on a good VHS tape, to use for copying um if your price point is close enough to that for better quality okay mm. so your your parents you know bootlegging as they were 
Um, they oh, not in my house. No, oh, of course not. Uh, we recorded stuff. We recorded cassettes? stuff. We recorded stuff off TV, but we didn't. We didn't oh. ever do tape to tape. Any oh, okay. Of that stuff now. Okay. We weren't. We weren't sophisticated enough. <laughs> but for po- folks who did do that, you know, yeah. you, you you put the initial investment, but people had entire VHS libraries of handwritten ET aliens, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, to the point where it's a it's a plot point actually in a movie of Jean Janine Garofalo as a detective. Um, mm. But anyway, people mm. were finding ways to make these recordings. They would spend six to ten dollars per really good tape, but you could keep like three movies on them, right? Yeah. Or you could record them at a, a slower rate, eat up more of the bandwidth on the tape, and you to got get higher, higher quality. quality. Exactly. Yeah. So if they drop their prices to be just ten dollars more than that higher quality, it ceases to be worth it to you, and you just pony up the extra bucks. And that's what happened. So the Dark Crystal re-releases in 1988 on VHS. And then again in 1994 through Jim Henson video via Disney's Buena Vista video and the right, right. Okay. fucking paper trail for, for video right. rentals was way more than I wanted it to be. Yeah, well, everybody everybody and their uncle was trying to find a way to get into the market to make a buck because it was a huge market. Yes. You know, it's- for for anybody listening to this show who, you know, is, I don't know what, you figure 15 younger than you and me? 15 mm-hmm. years younger than you and me? Oh, easily. Um, you, you may or may not have any any recollection of video stores, like as the monolithic cultural thing that they were. Mm-hmm. You know, I I remember I'm old enough to remember the warehouse being, you know, where you went to get uh video video See, that's rentals, still which might have been a Southern along. California thing. That was okay. So that was further along, and that was post blockbuster starting. Um, and creating the model that Warehouse copied. And oh, the Blockbuster okay. was regional in other places first. And that still uh, is long after the corner shop of mom and pop video. Oh, rentals. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. The mom yeah. and pop rental. Yeah. Yeah. What you're talking um, about is like the subway to the local sandwich shop. Yeah. Okay. That makes you know? sense. Yeah. Um, um, but like it was, it was a huge industry with a gigantic cultural footprint for two decades, something like that. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, you know, to think about how much we don't think of it today anymore. Right. You know, <laughs> was, oh yeah. Was like kind of sobering. I used to really. be fine with spending $3 for a rental, $4 for a rental. And then now in the age of streaming, I'm like, why would I spend money to rent a movie? I'll just wait, you know, 10 months. But so Disney's Buena Vista studio or video uh, was releasing Jim Henson video in 1994. Now, DVDs came shortly thereafter. But during all this time, they had been discussing a sequel since filming was wrapping up in September of 81. Jim Henson and David O'Dell had been high on the idea, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but... (laughs) It never got past the idea stage, which just like kind of the joke writes itself there. Um, in, in 2006, long after Henson had died, um, Odell and his wife pieced together the ideas um, and tried to come up with a workable script. And and that damn thing was snake bit from the jump. There were so many delays. There were so many like, gee, wouldn't it be better this way kind of additions that would just grind it to a halt and they'd have to restart mm. you know, later. 
Um, so nothing came of it. And and it languished there from 2006 until about 2014 uh, when it was announced to be still in pre-production. So the announcement was, ah, it's still in pre-production. Development um, hell is the, yeah. is the TV trope for that. It's yeah. in development hell. Yep. Also, like by 2006, you have the writer's strike about DVD royalties because DVDs had come in and the studios were like, well, we're going to keep all that money. And the writer's like, no, you're just selling it on a different medium. Like it's it's not any different. Like what the hell? Right. And then the DVD model became the way that movies would make money because you would put a ton of money into a blockbuster hit. Think like um, V for Vendetta, right? Um, ton of money goes into it. It makes, I don't remember how much money, let's say a hundred million dollars. Okay. Uh, so it made round number. Sure. Um, and so it made its money back obviously. Right. So it makes a hundred million dollars and then the DVD sales jump that up to about $200 million. You would literally regularly see an increase of a hundred percent, um, over, uh, how it did in box office because everybody was collecting DVDs. Um, and then of course that went away. So, I mean, it's, it's the market keeps changing and and the writers keep getting dicked, but anyway, it was announced. They always do. Yes. So it was announced to be in pre-production in 2014. Now, all of this was for a sequel to a movie that had grown in cult appreciation, but couldn't seem to be made into a sequel. (laughs) Like everybody really liked it. It's a shame it's not a sequel. Uh, and in all fairness, sequels were not that big of a deal. If you look beyond the prequels of Star Wars and maybe Godfather 3, having a sequel follow a movie so much later was a rarity. Um, it doesn't mean there weren't trilogies and duologies and even series that were being filmed. Lord of the Rings, Matrix, X-Men, Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. All of them clearly were on board for such things. But most sequels, including those that I just listed, were within a few years, not within a few decades of the original movie. So by 2017, plans were again scrapped, and the would-be script was adapted instead into a 12-port comic series called The Power of the Dark Crystal, which was a sequel to what was happened, what had happened in the movie. Okay. A new crisis required a new shard, or it required the old shard, that kind of thing, which itself that comic series had a sequel in 2018, which was called beneath the dark crystal and both came out to critical appeal. Um, So you see people wanting to get these sequels out there and movies keep just cock blocking them. So they're like, fine, we will change media. And they went into comics, which is great. What, uh, what studio did the comics? Uh, Was it, uh, or, Oh geez. I publisher. Who, I don't who did remember Dark Horse? I don't remember. It oh. might have been. Might have been. That sounds like it's it's in their their wheelhouse. Um, there had been other media. There there was yeah. an art book that came out in '83, uh, a video game for the Apple IIe, uh, and the Atari, uh, as well. Uh, both of mm-hmm. these were text based games. Um, actually, it might have been Marvel that did uh the the uh, comics because there was also a 48 page. Car- comic adaptation by marvel in 83 and they're loath to let go oh yeah okay yeah i Um, had that comic as a matter of fact oh cool so most of that came out right around 83 so okay 83 you got a glut of stuff and then production hell as you said uh all the way until comics get released uh what more than two decades later yeah uh actually more than three decades later right 2013 would be 30 years after yeah 
Yeah, it would be. Yeah, three decades. So, now, many many of the other cool, grandiose, far-reaching plans came about in the post-DVD era, and very few came to any fruition there. Uh, the one that did was a prequel manga. Or manga? Manga. Um, manga, manga. Yeah. Came out in 2007. Yeah. Okay. Um, which, as far as I could tell, was the first prequel type of effort that came to any tangible existence for the Dark Crystal. And that's okay. that's where I'm going to focus most of these next couple episodes. Uh, okay. The prequels that came out on Netflix starting in August of 2019. Okay. Yeah. So this time it's a prequel. Okay. So yeah. they, they've, they've, they did their sequel. That's all taken care of in the comics. They're going to keep, and honestly, there's this cool, like they're going to keep continuity. Um, so this is a prequel and it's set a hundred years. This is the, the Netflix series, which anybody can go and watch if they have Netflix right now. Okay. It's a 10, 10 episode series. Um, it is a prequel about a hundred years prior to the movie, wherein there are three Gelflings who are assisted by a whole bevy of other Gelflings, a bunch of pod people, a semi-sentient rock collection, Augra, who shows up with her thick-ass self, um, a a couple of mystics, uh-huh. and, and even an exiled Skeksis, uh, and they fight against the tyranny that has become obvious, the Skeksis who seek to drain Thra, we now have a name for the planet, of all of her resources and make sure that they live for as long as possible. So that's that's the elevator pitch okay. that's that's got that's what got me okay. yeah. so when the series begins the crystal has already cracked um but nobody knows that fact significance and most aren't even aware that the crystal has been cracked uh only those who are in power know that it's cracked and those are the skexies uh things are just starting to take a turn for the worse but again not in a way that's notable by many who aren't already tuned into thra and or the crystal. Now, Thra is the name of the world. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get into Augur's role in this in just a second, but it is a known name of the world. It's not like zombies in a zombie movie where everybody's like, what are these things? Nobody says zombie because okay. that didn't exist. Yeah. Um, like everybody knows Thra and they know that Thra is a living thing and a being of its own kind of thing. Like it's a personification. World spirit thing. kind yes. of. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, the space wolf in me approves. Good. Good. World spirit of Fenry. Yes. Okay. There you go. Now, at All the right. core of the show is the hope punk that we talked about in the last episode, right? Yes. Um. The, the anytime we discuss Jim Henson, we got to talk hope punk. Um. Now, despite the awfulness of the whole world, it's hope that's going to bring and bind the Gelflings together, and it's the hope that really makes this the saddest thing ever. Um. We know that they're going to fail in a hundred years. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, we know that they're going to be only two Gelflings left, neither of whom knows each other at the start of the movie. So there's two Gelflings running around thinking they're the only ones. Mm. We know that. Um, We know that they're all going to get wiped out, and Kira and Jen are just the only two who don't know each other. And yet, the hope that the characters, uh, Rian, uh, Rian, 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 Deet, Bria, and especially Hup feel is infectious um such as i guess the nature of resisting the inevitable and hup is absolutely my favorite character well him and the exile um hup is a podling person okay. so you remember those human potatoes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so i'll get more into hup in a bit but okay. uh there's there's obviously a ton to unpack here especially when we look at when it was developed and what its major themes are 
and why yeah. it didn't it, yeah, it also I, I doesn't get picked up wait for, for a, that i can't wait for that discussion because there's going to be the temptation to be really really in depth and then there's also going to be the possibility to just go yeah look at the calendar uh-huh and yeah yeah so anyway sorry also it wasn't picked up for a second season because of course it wasn't. Um, yeah, actually, well. we're going to get into why that is, though, too. Okay. So let's start by looking at production. Uh, Lisa Henson, the daughter of Jim and Jane Henson, and the CEO of Jim Henson Company, helped to pitch the idea to Netflix of a prequel rather than a sequel of The Dark Crystal. And this uh, effort was owed largely to Louis Letterer. Letter- Leterrier? I, I think it's Louis Letterer. in front of me, so I don't know. So he, uh, it's Leterrier basically is what it looks like. Okay. Um, but he's a director uh, who came on board in 2012 and uh, he noted uh, and, and they noted that Henson and Oz had ex- remember Frank Oz. Yeah. Um, they had extensive notes leading up to the dark crystal, which meant that there would be more to pull from the uh, terrier letterer. I'm going to say letterer um, okay. has largely been the poor man's Michael Bay. Um. Early on, he directed Jet Li in the movie Unleashed, which is a pretty good movie. Okay, yeah. Um, he also directed action films that weren't enormous blockbusters, but still quite fun in their own right. Uh, Transporter 1 and 2, those were oh, his. Oh, yeah, okay. As was The Clash of the Titans and The Incredible Hulk. Okay, I got a, I had a lot of fun at, uh-huh. at the the 2000s Clash of the Titans. That oh, was yeah. That was yeah. a hoot. It was. Like, yeah, I yeah. I liked it. I mean, it absolutely went against everything Greek culture stood for about being a demigod. Well, yeah, but I'm fine with that. But like, dude, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was, it was a really, it was a fun action film. Yeah, yeah, yep. and that was all I went in expecting. So, yeah. yeah, he also directed Now You See Me. Okay, and that was right before he signed on uh to to be uh, both director and executive producer for the dark crystal so oh, all right. with his backing and and his efforts to find a studio that liked the idea of continuing jim henson's and frank oz's work from the dark crystal uh lisa henson or no what was her name uh yeah it's lisa henson uh sold the idea to netflix as an animated prequel series okay However, there was somebody working at Netflix, luckily, uh, who'd seen the original, and they asked a very important question. Why can't you do it with puppets again? So they did a short sizzle reel uh, with puppets to get proof of concept. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, puppets were what worked for everyone best. The result was... Yay! Yep. And that's 2016. So we finally have the green light for the Dark Crystal, the prequel. And it was announced in May of 2016. And Netflix said, we're going to produce a prequel to the original movie. And I couldn't actually chase down if they already knew by that point if it would be a series or a movie. But production and filming didn't begin until November of 2017, such as the nature of things. Yeah. Because that's when the puppets began getting constructed and shipped to the filming warehouse in England. Brian Froud, from the original... Uh, mm. the, the artist, Brian, Froud, the, the squished fairies guy, right? Yeah. 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 That, yeah, yeah. that Brian Froud, um, yeah. he actually did some concept art and his son, Toby Froud, um, who is the baby from the labyrinth. No. Yes. Um, 
Toby Froud was the design supervisor who oversaw 110 puppets being built with many improvements over the originals. Okay. Yeah, the so, technology I'm sure has Oh yeah. Yeah. The stuff it, that it, you can do with with, you know, actuators and you exactly. know remote control and all yeah, no, oh, yeah, it had to be amazing. And the amount of people who now see it as a legitimate thing. So it's not just Henson and a few of yeah. his wacky friends and turtlenecks, you know, and yeah. on and on. <laughs> like I'm sure there's like <laughs> drama programs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, just the detail of the turtleneck. <laughs> just yeah. like how Kerouac can you be? <laughs> okay. Yep. That's fine. Um, so <laughs> the show was a topic of hot discussion at uh, a number of comic cons, and there was a lot mm. of reassurance from 2017 forward that the only real use of CG was to remove the puppeteers. Um, I will say this. It is visually a lot better than the original in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and by May of 2019, Netflix dropped a teaser trailer for the series, and I lost my shit. Um, <laughs> I remember that. I, yeah. <laughs> um, I got to scroll back and see when our first episode dropped, too, um, just to see how much that lines up. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty close. Yeah. In August of 2019, the series dropped, and it was a 10-episode series set about 100 years before the original movie took place. So it was faithful to what they had pitched. There is so much good stuff about this series. Everything was still designed by Brian Froud. Also, the episode titles, I love shit like this, because you know I love fan service. Yeah. Um, The episode titles were from lines in the original movie. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I have so much shit I got to catch up on watching so you I do. can start this now. God damn it. I will tell you this. My uh. my son was afraid of Simulacra for a long time. Um, and okay. Muppets freaked him the fuck out. Okay. Except for Fraggle Rock. He was down okay. for that. Which was hmm. cool. My okay. daughter loved the Dark Crystal from the jump. And for a couple years, that was most of her Christmas and birthday gifts was Dark Crystal shit. Okay. Um, so your mileage may vary with your boy. Okay. But uh he's getting to be the age where, you know, yeah, Dark Crystal um, is, is scary as shit, but like, yeah. you know, it's still he's, puppets. He, he he's 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 a sensitive lad. Um he is. We, there are there are multiple Disney movies we've had to abort halfway sure. through. Uh sure. Brave, the moment more do the yeah. the giant evil black bear showed up, we we were done. Uh, most notably, we were watching Turning Red. Oh yeah, you told me about that with the mom and, getting angry. And yeah, and the yep. and the and yeah, that he. I think there were multiple facets to that. It wasn't yep. just that you know, big scary monster. It was also mommy angry. Yep. So, but yeah, so we're 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 gonna have to we're gonna have to start with some stuff and test where sure where we can go. Yeah, the draining of the yeah. essence is anyway. a little disturbing. So I guess a you... little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the first episode, we get the voiceover narration. Um, I forget what each episode is called. I just remember that each one was a line from the movie. Mm -hmm. um, we get the voiceover narration. We finally learn from a visual medium that the planet is called Thra. We'd learned it from uh, comic books, which I guess are also a visual medium. But you get okay, what I'm yeah. saying. Um, and we learn that there in the voiceover narration, we learn there are t seven Gelfling clans, each with a matristic leader called the Madra. 
Um, and this whole thing will be about them and the Skeksis, which means we're learning about a group that gets genocided the fuck out of them. Uh, since there's literally only two of them left who each thought they were the only Gelfling left on the planet by the time yeah. the original movie starts. Yeah. Brian and Good Toby. To prepare us going in. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> it is cool. You get this like really cool. Uh, it, again, it's just it's visually it's stunning. Um, OK. But Brian and Toby Froud based each of the clans on geography like you do. Um, Froud was quoted saying, quote, they are our human representatives in a strange world where everything is really odd, where everything is alive, where rocks move and sing, and everything is not quite what it seems. We had to remind the sculptors that these are not human, that these are more kin to the animals. The challenge was to get them to have an otherworldly quality and at the same time to be empathetic because they go through a lot and they are telling their story as our story. That last bit, eh, hold on to that. So, okay. The clans are as follows. There's the Groton clan. This is the clan that lives in the caves. They have big ears and big eyes. They are super duper pale. Uh, they have light sensitivity. They can't actually, they, they have to go out with gauze over their eyes if they mm. go above ground. And um, uh, I, I assume they eat a lot of root and vegetables. Yeah. A lot of potatoes. mushroom gathering, stuff like that. Potatoes uh, I didn't sliced see with eating. cheese. No, no. Okay. No. Sorry. Yeah. It's none. It's mm. weird. Baked. I know. Okay. No, I just you right. know, which anyway. you would think would be all current, but nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I see I all saw right. what you were doing there. I Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was all proud. Right. You know? Okay. Well, I just wanted right. you to then... push all the way through. <laughs> I was giving you that chance and then yeah. it was well, all grotten. So, I was like, yeah, oh, damn. yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no tubers. Uh <laughs> but a lot of mushrooms. Um and uh, they okay. live in harmony with the nature around them, uh, which all Gelflings do to some extent. And they have access to something called the Sanctuary Tree. Okay. So those are like, my daughter made a role-playing game for this. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Stonewood are your woodland warriors. They have dark hair. They're physically very strong for Gelflings. They're fierce. They're fighters. Um, it's probably what Jen was based on his physical characteristics. Appearance. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're strong tribal. They're mostly clannish. Uh, and they're the main force that defends the castle on behalf of the Skeksis. We'll get into oh. why that happens. Yeah. They live in the woods closest to the Crystal Castle. So. Okay. Then there's the Vapra. Uh, and they're your mountain and cliff dwellers in the northern coast. Uh, they have the capital of all Gelfling society in their territory. Usually they have very fair skin and white hair, uh, Nordic, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, lots of decoration, lots of fashion sense, a lot of like blues and purple pastels, a lot of okay. braids. Um, very educated. They have the biggest library, which is its own cool thing. Um, mm -hmm. They seem to live where it's coldest, uh, and they're definitely okay. the most stuck up of all the groups. Okay. Yeah. So you're high elves. Yes. Yeah. So you're starting to see... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh mm -hmm. the Drenchen. Wood elves, high elves. Uh -huh. yeah, okay. Well, then you got the Drenchen, um, which I it's in the name, right? So they live yeah. in the marshes and the wetlands. Okay. Yeah. Uh they're swamp people, essentially. Uh they're the most amphibious of all the Gelflings, which I just love that there's a gradation of amphibiality. Yeah. Um they're all greenish cover colored, um, and the women use their wings to swim as well as to fly. Because remember, yeah. women have wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all very strong folks as well. Their ears are more tapered, 
Um, they're also fierce warriors and they have gills. They're usually like they're like probably the second highest proportion of the castle guard come from this this clan. Okay. Uh the Sifa, I think, might have been my favorites. Um, but they are the sailors and the roamers of the Gelfling. Um, they live like the Sati or the Roma do, um, or they sail. It's one or the other. Okay. Okay. They're uh yeah. They don't trust other clans, but they are welcoming to individuals. Um, and they're always down to charge for their services. <laughs> and uh, they have some of the most colorful uh, clothing palettes. Uh, they, they do tend to tend toward uh, cool colors, but they're very, very colorful. They're almost they're the redheads of the Gelflings. Okay. Um, and they fish and they sail on their free spirits, etc. Uh, they also tend to be your soothsayers and visionaries. Okay. Um, aesthetically, actually, um, they're probably my second favorite to the Dusan. The Dusan aesthetically are my favorites. Um, okay. But I think I like the Drenchen more, just personality-wise. Um, the the Dusan are desert nomads who paint their skin yellows and purples, and they're the only clan to tie their hair up and away from their faces instead of having that stupid like bangs look bangs that they thing all had. Going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no offense to people who like that look. It's it's dumb though. Um, yeah. <laughs> no offense, but it's <laughs> no offense, but it's really dumb. Yeah. Um, I taught we're my not, students this week. We're not going to we're not going to judge, but we're yeah. totally judging. Right, we're not yeah. going to judge, but you got to be crazy. Um, <laughs> I told my students this week actually. Um, like somebody said something along the lines of "no offense," and then they said something insulting, and I was like, "That's you know, that's not how that works, right?" Yeah, and, and they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Well, like, okay, I'm going to say something." And and I want you to tell me if it's mission accomplished. I said, I don't mean to sound racist, but I need to find a dictionary. And the kids were like, what the fuck? And I was like, mission accomplished? They're like, yeah. I mean, like, that's how no offense is supposed to work. No offense, but I could go for some pancakes. That makes more sense. But if you say something <laughs> offensive right after no offense, you're signaling that when you say no offense, you mean, I know this is offensive. So, yeah, I, and, I know. I'm... I I'm about to be an asshole. Right. So, you know, it, it, which, you know, students actually picked up on. They're like, oh, yeah. Cause like when you said, I don't mean to sound racist, I thought, oh, shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, great. Where are we going? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. we thought harm. Oh, no. Yeah. But anyway, so they tie their hair <laughs> up away from hope. their face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they stick to the desert. They know a shit ton about magic and geometry, interestingly enough. Um, they're probably the closest representation to a Semitic people uh, that this has. I was going to say that sounds like Golden Age mm -hmm. Arabic society. Yeah. Uh, they've also tamed enormous like manta ray like creatures that fly through the sky called crystal skimmers. Um, wait. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Yeah. Sure. Stop. Sure. Hold on. Sure. <clears throat> Their colors are purple and yellow. Yes. Okay, and they're and and they're and they're the ones most interested in magic. Uh, they know the most about it. I would say about magic. Yeah, I would say the uh the the Sifa also know a lot about magic. Okay, they just they just capitalize on it better. Okay, okay, and and they they have tamed manta like flying creatures. Yes. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, see, the problem is I'm a Warhammer 40k fan. Mm, uh, that has been a and, problem for 
quite a few. Yeah, episodes. long time, long, long time. Um, and uh, there, there's ancient heretics. Oh, okay. Um, because because one of the one of the demonic creatures of Zinch is a manta ray like creature that flies that Zinchian sorcerers use as as mounts or attack beasts in in combat. Okay. Yeah, okay. Zinch is the god of magic, and purple isn't really one of his colors, but blue and yellow are definitely his, so close. His, yeah, his jam. So it's yeah. Well, these Damn guys it. have. I a was lot really of hoping I wouldn't have to call in. Mm. Call in the Inquisition, but anyway, carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So these guys have a lot of shamans. They've got a lot of rituals. Um, strong emphasis on the circle of life and death on how it okay. continues. Okay. Uh, they're the only clan that the Skeksis have actively banned from being able to serve in the castle guard. Well, and I think we know why. Yeah. Well, and then all the Gelflings <laughs> carry that same prejudice toward them, despite them actually oh, that... being able to help the most. Yeah. That sucks. Yep. Okay. Um, and then there's the Spriten. Uh. Um, the Spriten are your Southern Plains clan. Uh, their skin is tan. Their hair is dark. They're big on farming and agriculture and the fine arts. They seem to dig music and poetry. If Minerva and Ceres, um, sorry, if, uh, fuck, what's her name? Athena and Demeter uh, okay. were were matrons to a Gelfling clan. It would be this one. All right. Awesome. Uh, the Latin is just absolutely dominant. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> understanding yeah. of the Greeks. Yeah. So anyway, the first episode introduces them much briefer than I did. Um, and Sigourney Weaver is the one telling you all about it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, and she tells you that the Skeksis are specifically not of Thra. Like, that is a line. Um, and that Agra was the protector of Thra. That is also a thing that she Sigourney Weaver takes the time to tell you in the beginning. The Skeksis distracted Agra from tending to Thra by building her an orrery. Is that how it's pronounced? Yes. Okay. I hate that word. Um, and they let her explore the cosmos through what appears to be astral projection of some sort. Uh... And meanwhile, while she's distracted and her mind is elsewhere, the Skeksis have set themselves up as the rulers of this planet, and they have been for a thousand trine, which is a thousand years. Um, and that's the other thing is like, there's different words, just slightly different jargon. Oh, God, yeah. is another Warhammer thing with trine? No. Okay. No, it, it alters rather a bit the, the timeline as I understood it as to like when the crystal had actually cracked. The crystal cracks a hundred years before, just a few, a little bit before a hundred years before, because it's cracked by the time okay. we start the show. Okay. Um, and, and, and that's a hundred years before the movie. Yeah. And the narration specifically uh -huh. says the Skeksis are not of Thra. Right. They're not of Thra. And when they and showed the up, Skeksis specifically mm -hmm. have been in charge for a thousand, for a thousand trying. Yes. Do we see the mystics? We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. They are not big players in this whole thing. Yeah, well, yeah, clearly. But this also means that the Skeksis are grifters from the jump. They are fucking grifters. Yeah. Um, They are in charge. They have a chamber of the crystal. And the show introduces them in the narration as finding ways to, quote, to steal life from the crystal they have sworn to protect. 
There is no ambiguity here. There is no sympathy for the Skeksis. They are grifter okay. shitheads. So we, so we as the audience are immediately in on, yeah, all it's, of it. It's and... not just the unfortunate appearance of all of them. They don't okay. just look deathly. They are shit. Okay. Yeah. They are in fact necromantic. Yes. Monsters. Okay. Yes. Um, interestingly, there's no sexual relations between any of them, uh, regarding the neck or any other body parts. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's designed to be a, like what PG 13 show. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. so, you know, I mean, you wouldn't True. get into a lot. Well, there's of not even any hugging or you like, know, yeah, light heading. So. Is this a kissing book? Like you know, you gotta you gotta gauge your audience. You don't want to get true, too much. True, of that but stuff. I I kind of now want somebody to write the fan fiction of of the erotica present between Chamberlain and the general. Yeah, oh. like oh, you like that, don't you? Hmm? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, now that we've driven Ugh. everyone Ugh. away. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know, and you know, I thought, you know what? I'm yeah. not going to get a beer for this episode. <laughs> Do you want to pause so you can? No, um, no, I'm. I'll. I may. I, just I like may to point out to, you that know, you mentally, will regret that. Yeah. Okay, I may need yeah. to mentally disinfect <laughs> later, but. <laughs> all right. Oh yeah, there's a scene where one of them's peeing on a wall. Bullshit. Nope, dead serious. And uh, he's struggling to pee. So you know how like sometimes you're like, okay, come on, come on. I'm standing here at the urinal. Yeah. I've only got five minutes of passing period. Yeah. Let's go. Oh, four. And then it you're finally, lucky. oh my God. You get, you get We've got seven. Holy shit. Um, but like, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And it finally lets out, right? Yeah. And then you're like, why is it split streamed? Like, and <laughs> then it coalesces, right? So you, you've yeah. been there. Yeah. Um, Imagine... Only a third of that comes out, and then you're like, "Oh, come on!" And then a second one comes out, and you're like, "Oh, thank goodness!" And then the third one comes out, and they're three separate streams, the whole time, which implies that there's three separate pee holes, which means either yeah. the urethra <laughs> forks, or or they're like kangaroo penis. Like I'm not sure which is worse. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. So yeah. anyway, yeah. sorry. So wow. once the crystal stops giving them life, uh, as they all gather around to have it do so, they stand in the the, the you've seen you see this uh, in the yeah. movie, uh, yeah. and then you know they're doing it again. So it's a nice little callback. Um, it stops giving them life, and they're like, and they immediately, immediately, like as soon as the grift doesn't prove to be as fruitful as it has been for a thousand trine, they're like they turn on each other and bicker and panic immediately. Um, the yeah, whole, well, of, yeah, bad guys. I mean, right. Yeah. A very specific type of bad guys. This is true. Yeah. So the whole of Thra in this season, by the way, is, is in the series is a very green and verdant Thra. It's a vibrant version of the kind of dead world that we see in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, because by that time it's clearly in massive decline. Yeah. Um, there's also another race alive in the Crystal Castle. Uh, the Podlings. They are the servant class. They're the underclass. The okay. little potatoes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, as we finally get to the characters, we meet two Gelfling guards, uh, Mira and Rion, um, who are clearly enjoying a budding romance, and they 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 spend time together 
fa- dream fasting. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And flirting with each other. Uh, they're interrupted by the intrusion of an Arathim. Uh, an Arathim is a large ass spider that they thought had like been banished from everywhere. Uh, and it's back. They chase it down, owing partly to their oath to protect the Skeksis in the castle. Um, because the Gelfling have taken an oath to protect the Skeksis, and the Skeksis will protect the crystal. That is the deal. Right. Okay. So as they're chasing it down, we cut to Bria, and it's very much a rotating cast kind of thing. You know, you're you're cutting from Ryan or from Rion to Bria to uh to Deet over and over again, and then there's others that get in there too, but it's mostly those three. So we meet Bria who is in the capital city of Harar, uh, H-A-R apostrophe A-R, Harar, uh, which is located in the Vapra territory. Bria is the youngest of three sisters, and the other two are Tavra, who is the middle sister, and Celadon, who's the oldest sister. Bria is okay. a scholar, Tavra is a warrior, kind of a tomboy of a Gelfling, and Celadon is the heir okay. apparent to their mother's crown for being the Almadra. She is the chief of all the Madras. So each clan gets a Madra, and the one who's in charge of the Vapra clan tends to be the all Madra. Okay. Find out later that's not always how it has been, but it has been by custom for quite some time. Anyway, Bria is in this awesome, winding, horribly organized uh, library. There's a lot of sharp ovals because that's the dominant shape in Thra, apparently. Books that are stuffed everywhere. I mean, it looks like a really fun place to live. It looks like a terrible place to work. Um, she... <laughs> You're <laughs> really trying does. to do research. It's a it's a living hell. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. If you if you collect shit and you stop things halfway through all the time, it's beautiful. Uh, so she hears that the Skeksis are coming to town, and she remarks that she has so many questions for them. Um, and she regards the Skeksis coming as a good thing because the Skeksis have been very good at maintaining the appearance for all these trine um, and maintaining the norms for all these trine. And the librarian lets her know, quote, the lords don't like questions. Which is kind of the first, I mean, we see we see the, <clears throat> the Skeksis draining it and freaking out and shit like that, but the Gelfling yeah. don't see that, right? So we're seeing yeah. what the Gelflings see are, we have a duty to protect this place, holy shit, there's an Arathim, we better go and stop it, and also we're going to look like badasses when we do, and then you have, I can't believe the Skeksis are here, this is going to be so wonderful, and one of them's like, eh, I really like questions, though. Um, Red flag. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So we know they're evil. But the Gelflings don't know they're evil, right? And we have to watch the Gelflings suffer through the discovery of that, which, again, they still manage to make it seem hopeful. Like, really good job. Mm. So then we meet Dietra, Diet for short. Uh, Diet is a Groton whose grandmother, I think, is the Madra of her clan. Um, and she's tending to the bioluminescent things. Uh, she's harvesting moss to feed a Nurglock. Uh, Nurglock are these large, like, land whale type things but like if land whales were shorter like uh, proto whales you know okay, okay um she also glows a little bit herself um and at one point she's like harvesting moss that glows and then she stands up and just falls backwards into the caves for the sheer joy of flight in this like icarus like exhilaration mm-hmm. of falling and flying um and while she's tending to some creatures she's a bit she's bitten by one of them which is unheard of for the groton and then she's bitten by uh, a small one and then a big one. 
And this is like literally never happened. And it's happened twice to her in one day um, within seconds of each other. Um, because the Groton live in complete and total harmony with all living things uh, and being cave dwellers, they're literally the closest thing to Thra as a result. Uh, and it's her mystery to solve as the creatures who bit her hand had bright purple yellow glow or purple glow to their eyes. Mm. Later on, we find out that that's called the darkness. Anyway, back to Bria. She's trying to run to get to the Royal co court and meet the Skeksis. And she actually is almost run over by their vehicle. Uh, and their vehicle is like this three-wheeled carriage that actually uses uh, live armalings who are like um, roly-polies, but huge. Okay. Um, they roll up into balls and they get zapped electrically to uh, get them moving. So their vehicle is cruelty-based. And that hasn't been a red flag for a thousand trine? Especially for the, the Gelfling who are like of Thra and who are, everything who cooperates. Are like all have one level in druid no matter what right like, yeah pain-based okay. dominance for locomotion for comfortable locomotion by yeah. the by yeah and so it nearly runs over bria and comes to a screeching halt um there's two skexis aboard uh one of them i think her name is the collector and the other one is the master of Cer i don't want to say master of ceremonies but it might be that um Anyway, uh, he leans out and sees that it's her, and uh, they realize that she is the daughter of the Almadra, and they're like, we'll give you a ride to the castle. And they absolutely immediately turn it into leverage. Like, look who we saved, that kind of shit. Um, and uh, so that way, when they meet with the Almadra during the gifting ceremony, um, who is acting as their vassal, they can flex a little bit more. You know, they're just deepening their talons. So, okay, wait. Yeah. They nearly ran her over. Well, she ran out in the middle of the road. Yeah. All right, all right, yeah. All right. But yeah. And then they're like, look mm. who we saved. Wow. Okay. We all know how evil they are. Yeah. Like, I, I, I get it. it but... And it just fucking sucks to watch the Gelfling <laughs> not notice it. Like, yeah. You know, it's that friend of how, yours. Who... How gaslit they've been. Exactly. It's that friend yeah. of yours who thinks that he's in a good relationship. And you're just like, oh, no. So, brother, brother yeah. why, brother? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, meanwhile, yeah. back at the uh, castle, the scientists, Skeksis, and they're all mm. named basically by their occupation, but they actually do have actual names, but it's like Skek Mall, Skek this, Skek that. And okay. I just name them by their occupation. So, the yeah, scientists, okay. Skeksis, hey kids, it's Mark Hamill. Um, yeah. Oh, shit. It's awesome. Shit, I gotta watch. Okay. You really do. Oh, Benedict really, Wong really plays do. another one. Simon right. Pegg plays another one. Fuck me. Yeah. Oh, all it's right. it's and Aquafina plays one. <laughs> like it's an all-star cast. Yeah. Wow. All right. Oh, uh Lena Headley plays one of the uh one of the Madras. Um, that that fits. Yeah. That fits. Yeah. So yeah. A lot okay. Of, a lot of Damn. yeah. Does oh, the guy uh, who played Elmo is is somebody too. I forget. Well, I mean, Jim yeah. Henson Productions. Like... Right, right. So, what so, were you going to ask? So, does, does Sigourney Weaver do anything other than the narration? She which, only I mean, does the narration, narration is enough, but yeah. Like, okay. Like, right. which is its own flex, I think. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, He's trying to come up with ways to get the crystal to give life to the Skeksis again and the gears that he's using. He has like these machines and gears and it, it feels very Tolkien-esque 
with you know the age of machines and like you know his mind oh, is oh, yeah. all about that yeah, yeah but these gears are twisted and not symmetrical at all and they're not beveled like uniformly and mm-hmm. yet it still works it's like it's evil has twisted the metal kind of thing uh or they're just really shitty yeah. and lazy at it but just good enough um you know or and, both yeah like yeah um and it's as though his very science is twisted and dependent on chaining and dominating things more than anything um and he uses electricity to shock the crystal and experiment on it and at one point he accidentally discovers that the crystal can actually suck life out of beings because it happens to him um and he's <laughs> dying from it until chamberlain happens by and sees what's going on and he flips the switch that stops everything so now scientist owes his life to chamberlain and chamberlain Uh, mm -hmm, chamberlain tells the scientist that it's entirely possible to use this to their advantage after all if the crystal can draw out life energy from a skexis why not use it to draw out the essence of something native to thra and then why not use that essence to rejuvenate the skexis so why not be parasites and sustain ourselves Mm. Yeah, well, if you have no moral center. Uh-huh. So okay. the very beings who have installed themselves as guardians of the crystal against what I still don't know uh, are now what are going to devour those who are sworn to protect them in order to sustain themselves. That is the thesis statement of the prequels in a lot of ways. Wow. Yeah. In August of 2019. Yeah. But Deet speaks to the Great Sanctuary Tree and by extension speaks to Thra as a result, which gives her the call to fight against the Darkening. Uh, and it sends a blossom to Dreamfast with Deet, showing her all that she needs to know. Uh, Rion and Mira and Rion's best friend, Gurjan, who is, I think, one of the swampy guys, um, they're looking for the Arathim and, and they're all guards. Uh, they're like the young class of guards like Rion's father is the captain of the guard and then okay, there's like okay. young young class um and anyway mira goes flying down into the catacombs where gelfling dare not go and they're prohibited from there and she flies down anyway and the scientist finds her um and seizes her and wants to use her for the crystal so Rion's girlfriend essentially gets kidnapped by the skexis in episode one uh, and then you go back to harar and we see uh, the manipulation and caprice of the Skeksis. Oh, it's not the Master of Ceremony. I think it's uh, the Scroll Keeper. Um, mm. And yeah. every Gelfling has to give a gift to the Skeksis uh, in Harar. So there's a long receiving line. And this is part of it. And, and the thing is, the, the Scroll Keeper Skeksis and the Collector Skeksis are overseeing the remainder of Skeksis dominance and Gelfling nobility uh, complicity all combining so they're there the vassal the all madra is directing it this is how we've always done it this is how we'll always do it this is part Mm. of our duty this is your duty you keep the crystal and Mm. they're like yawning through her talking about it like they they're just so sick of it um and so bria witnesses a group of farmers who have very little to give who've lost their mother uh, and there is a blight that has hit their farm, which unbeknownst to them is actually due to the darkening. Um, and the scroll keeper points out like, and again, they've got shit stacked, just stacked. And he points out that their tithe is so small 
and so insulting. Um, he then notes that the pendant that the oldest daughter is wearing uh, of the farmer, um, he says, you know, that'll work. And the collector agrees and admires the pendant. Uh, the thing is that pendant belongs to the daughter and it was given to her by her mother who passed last year. Um, and it's her last memory of her recently deceased mother. And so of course that family is like, you know, we, can we give you something else? And then, uh, the master of ceremony or no, the master of scrolls says, why does Gelfling hurt us? So sad, so sad. Bullshit. Nope. Oh, dead fucking serious. Shit. Yeah, they they hit it that squarely on the necrotic beak. They yes. really. Yes, they did. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yep. Damn. Now Bria's oldest sister, Celadon, is the heir apparent, right? So she's overseeing this, and she insists that the laws be followed, no matter how wrong the law might be. It's still a law. I believe we call this lawful stupid. What do we call this? Yeah, I would. Or, I would say lawful or, evil. Or lawful evil. Yeah. Um. I I'm gonna say lawful shithead. Uh. So. Yeah. Lawful biff. Yeah. Um. Everyone cheers as the Skeksis finally accept the tithe. So they make a big show of like, oh, we don't know now, and oh, oh, fine, we'll finally accept it. You know, everything is fine. We forgive you, and everybody cheers at this. Um. Shortly thereafter, the scroll keeper just tosses the pendant anyway. Because of course he does. It's not about the fucking pendant. It's about yeah. the manipulation. Now, Control. Bria sees all yeah. this and she's like, this ain't right. So she goes back to the library to research tithes. And the librarian is hella dogmatic and he tries to stop her research, which leads to a literal tug of war over an ancient tome which ends up glowing green and causing the whole library to shake and swirl with books. Like it, it, it just, the place comes alive. Bria has a vision that is a result of all this. And she, and it, it and she tie, you know, it's tied to everything that's going on and it knocks her out. And, and when she comes to, she seeks out her mother, the Almadra, and she wants to dream fast with her. And that before she goes to dream fast with her mother, she notices her mom is wearing a pendant, the same pendant that the farmer family had to tithe to the Skeksis. And Bria is like, what the shit is this? And her mother lectures her, says, this is proper behavior. I will not give the pendant back because it was a gift from the Skeksis and you don't disregard gifts from the Skeksis that way. So mm. there's a wealth redistribution from the bottom to the top by the people in charge. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we, we get back wow. to Deet's grandmother. <laughs> yeah. 1789. For <laughs> some reason coming into my head. I don't know why. Yeah. Huh. Weird. I don't know why. Yeah. So third Deet estate. Deet's grandmother uh, is the Madra of the clan. Uh, and she says, you got to go journey to the all Madra to tell her about the darkness because they don't know about it. Uh, then we go back to Chamberlain, who is voiced by Simon Pegg uh, and the scientist who is voiced by Mark Hamill. And they're trying to figure out how to drain Mira's life essence. So it's some dark ass shit. Uh, neither of them notice that Rian is watching uh, the whole thing until it's over. Amira is begging them to stop, which makes it worse. 
Uh, and then the scientist stabs her in the back with two giant syringes to drain her essence quicker until she completely disintegrates uh, and the machines are overloaded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Emperor is there as well. He's jo- he's voiced by Jason Isaacs. Of course he is. That's perfect. <laughs> and that he... is too perfect. <laughs> and he and Chamberlain and the scientist all drink the essence in the grossest way possible, uh, which is, of course, cause for celebration as they dance for joy and they can conquer death this way and the Skeksis don't care about the planet and they, they found a way to train those who serve them and who are young to extend their own lives and the one in charge is especially happy about doing this. It's yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Rian sees all this, of course, until he inevitably gets noticed and then they chase him down. But Rian escapes and then he dream fasts with Gurgen in episode two. Uh, Rian and Gurgen keep running because they're still in the castle uh, and Gurgen gets caught, uh, but he tells Rian to flee. So Rian fucking takes off. Um, and of course, the Skeksis are freaking out about this because the truth could get out like he saw what they had done. He saw their whole like this could this could screw it up like they have such a good deal here complicity yeah up the wazoo all they got to do is just keep the conveyor belt running but rian could fuck it all up so uh chamberlain lays out a plan almost immediately this is his plan he says that they need to declare rian a criminal one who cannot dream fast with the other gelfling because he's gone mad and that will spread his sickness and this means that he cannot tell anyone the truth in the one way that the skexies cannot affect because the Skeksis can't dream fast. They can't do shit. So they, they he he says we got to poison the idea of dream fasting. Wow. Yeah. So they so spread so much going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You you want to unpack that a little? Um well, I I mean I'm I'm sure we're we're going to get to the real world part of this and and the discussion of uh you know mm-hmm. alternative facts and uh mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does does feel a little yeah, a little like that gal who was poisoning well. And... Um, you know, there's what yeah. was her name? Which <laughs> yeah, the Which the one? one who Tommy uh, Laren? No, 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 no. Um, oh, okay, the one who worked for Trump in an undisclosed position. Um, uh, uh, Kellyanne Conway. Her, yeah, yeah. This has big Kellyanne Conway vibes. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm picturing her in in voluminous, high necked purple. Yeah, you don't have to stuff. do much else. Yeah, no, evil has done the work for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, facial structure is already kind of there. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. So yeah. So uh, what do you call it? Um, yeah. Uh, the the Skeksis spread the word immediately through the guards and through the nearby clans, and Chamberlain lays out. He literally lays out a fascist commentary on the Gelfling. Uh, He says that they need to be ruled. They are weak. They are small. And then he says that they will turn on their own kind to keep themselves being ruled. And by contrast, the Skeksis are forever, especially now that Thra belongs entirely to them. And that's how it ends episode one. Holy shit. Yeah. So like you said, I'm going to parse it out a bit now, right? Yeah, you let's. have you have three Gelflings, each from three different backgrounds. You have an Christ- an aristocratic twit uh, who loves books. Okay. You have a military legacy kid, 
and you have someone who's really into nature and sees beyond what's happening. Okay. In other words, you have the educated middle to upper class, you have the military loyalist, and you have Phoebe. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I mean, okay. really, you rural, have an environmentalist. Rural. Yeah, okay. You, right. you have a middle class environmentalist, but um, you, you, these three groups are ultimately going to fail to unite for much longer than a single battle. Um, and they're going to lose big time to the Skeksis, who are playing a literally much deeper and longer game. And yet, <sighs> it feels hopeful the whole time. And yet, you know you're careening toward fucking genocide. Um, almost immediately, the military loyalists divide amongst themselves because they confuse loyalty to the mission with loyalty to the leaders. The academic sees her wealthy family for the disappointment that it is, and she's ultimately useless to do anything about it. But along the way, don't worry, she gets into the arts and meets darker gelflings than herself, and she almost falls for a grift and then has a falling out with both of her sisters and finds herself a servant. Uh, and then the environmentalist will need a rescue from people who actually live in their community, um, and they, they end up needing rescue multiple times along the way. Wow, so, this is this is a this is not a flattering picture of anybody. No, in the real world, like it's really not a flattering picture, of course, of the entire Trump administration because sad, right. so sad. Oh like, yes, holy, <laughs> are you? Wow. And his solution um, is basically to tweet. You know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 then on the other hand, it it echoes literally every criticism i have made and you mm -hmm. you have made mm -hmm. um about uh everybody center left and and beyond mm -hmm. uh in in for varying reasons um their inability to be like okay no yes we understand we understand there are all these trees i need you to look at the forest <laughs> I really need you to look at the forest right now and realize that, that there's an army of zombies with axes. Yeah, but see, the axes have you know, wooden handles too. Who am I supposed to believe? The forest or the trees or the axes? I mean, they're all the yeah, same. They're, they're all equally the same. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. God damn it. Yes. Yeah. This is this is why they get genocided. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, just yeah. I, I can't believe I'm laughing about Muppet genocide, but but like it's not a cheerful tale. Because if you don't laugh, you're just gonna rage cry. Yeah. I mean the answer yeah. is like you can do one of two things. You can find the gallows humor or you can just start right. weeping in incoherent fury and just never stop. Well, like, and the thing is, like, even when you get to the Dark Crystal and they actually beat the Skeksis and all that, and you have the the that whole story is actually just about how the Skeksis, like in the context of this, it's just about how the Skeksis learn not to be shitty. And they don't even do it like by their own will. It's forced no. upon them from behind yeah. by the mystics who yeah. take their sweet, sweet time. Um, there's all kinds of problems with all of that. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. the least of which the way I put it, but um, <laughs> on top of that, like, no, I that's think the way really, you put it is perfect, but that's yeah. the story. Right? Yeah, yeah. You still have the fact that Thra has been destroyed. Decimated. Yeah. Yeah. Utterly 
and Savage. there's literally only two 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 Gelfling left. Even if they did love each other, which I think they do, yeah. even if they fucked, which I hope they do, even if they have kids. Speaking of fanfic, but anyway, oh, definitely, you know, um, you know, <laughs> boys don't have wings, but I'll show you what you get. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But even if they start a family. It ends there. Like you do not have enough no. genetic yeah. variability left for them to be yeah. anything but extinct a little bit later. Yeah. Like it turns into yeah. Cormac McCarthy, like within a generation. <laughs> not cool. Yeah. And we're going to see this. Yeah. Like we, we know that's where we're headed. And yet yeah. you have all this like rich history. We're watching the end of life. Yeah. Seeing the, the disintegration of an entire civilization. Yeah. Due to the failures of the the <laughs> the middle class ultimately to actually stand up and 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 take note and do shit yeah. about it. Yeah. In any kind of cohesive, coherent, collective way. Yeah. Um, imagine if there was like a pandemic where that happened. It would be terrible. Man, that'd, that'd suck, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, meanwhile, the Skeksis. Oh, boy. Um, there's the Emperor, uh, who through naught but the force of his own personality and the personal vices and ambitions of those who are in the same party, thinking that proximity to him is power, he stays in power. And he leads his group into a win-or-die strategy that is mostly used to serve only him. Wow. He's also found. That... Yeah. No, go ahead. I was he's gonna also say, found. Yeah. Later, he's found to be communing with the darkness, which is an outside agent uh, to what his group knows about in a self-destructive effort to dominate uh, even longer. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh-huh. so everything you've said, uh-huh. like up to this point. Yeah. Well, okay, no, it was a little while ago, but there, there is no way you're going to convince me mm-hmm. that the writer's room for this was not entirely full of, okay, look at what he tweeted now. Right. What are we going to do with that? Yeah. Like, oh, did you hear, did you hear Kellyanne Conway yesterday? How how are we gonna work how are we how are we gonna work that in? Mm-hmm. Like you can't tell me this wasn't conscious allegory. Like so many so much of the stuff that we talk about and like the first the the movie for Dark mm-hmm. Crystal mm-hmm. is like unconscious. It's in it's in the water. They were drinking. It's you know right. on the wallpaper. It's just kind of how this came out. Like these parallels are there. Right. Like, no 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 no. You are not going to convince me. <laughs> this is not. You know, we're going to rip it from the headlines, uh, wrap it in fairy dust and, you know, yeah. have puppets say it like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's ultimately afraid to die and is willing to do whatever he can to avoid losing. Well, that don't sound at all familiar. Yeah. Including at the end of the season, leading an armed attack against another group that, you know, used to work for the castle. Wow. Yeah. Now the scientist mostly mm-hmm. just does what he wants. Uh 
and he mostly just wants to torture different creatures. Um, and he'll do whatever the emperor tells him to do. Um, the collector is a mm. very gross, pustule bursting on her face narcissist who thinks she's beautiful, um, voiced by Aquafina. Um, and uh, she's her beak is very, very compacted. She's very rounded. She thinks she's beautiful and she's just got gross ass pustules that burst and squirt everywhere. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Chamberlain is forever doing all he can to play both sides and all sides uh, and keep himself climbing a ladder that only he sees. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, or I or, honestly, or uh, Chamberlain is I was I was going to say Chamberlain is much more like um, Giuliani. No, God, what's that guy's name? Uh, Steve Bannon. Because he was yeah, actually okay. harmful and effective. Okay, yeah, I yeah. can see that. Uh, also, looks like canned ham. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, well, Chamberlain wow. doesn't, but you know, it, not yeah, well, it but... can't be a one to one. Yeah, um, <laughs> and all the Skeksis are in a state of decay. Oh no, fuck! Chamberlain is is Mitch. Um. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Though, does do, do you do you get the sense that that Chamberlain is actively egging huh because there'd also have to be the oh well you know the emperor made that decision but you know i i didn't i didn't you know I'm oh he cut side i don't i don't oh yeah oh yeah okay yeah all right i'll have to to watch it and draw my own parallels he's yeah he's he's building power amongst the other skeksis and he takes losses on purpose okay uh, all the Skeksis are in a state of decay. All of them have long ago sloughed off the actual duties that they told Agra they would do. And they're also specifically not of Thra, specifically having come to Thra and acting like a disruptive force. And they spend as much of their time that they can devouring the actual essence of those that they're sworn to serve. Okay. Now, by the way, the podlings are 100% the service industry. They're just shit on by everyone. Um, Just how it goes. They're actually in service positions the whole time, too. Uh, Except for Hup, my beloved Hup. Um, So, who are the Skeksis? Well, obviously, they're the American right. I was going to say the Tea (laughs) Party, so yes. Oh, okay. All right. I I mean, GOP, but yeah, okay. Well, now, yeah. But, like, they have overtaken yeah but also the emperor is as obviously trumpian as it gets chamberlain is not a one-to-one with anyone he's he's very much roger stone in a lot of ways but he's also very much steve bannon but i think he's more like if you rolled them up with mitch mcconnell it's more mcconnell than either of them um also turtles have beaks yep good point so yeah the scientist is the Republican loyalist who thinks that they can still have any say whatsoever, um, so long as they get to keep hurting the people they want to hurt. Yeah, as long uh, as the right people are getting hurt. Right, but they honestly yeah. just end up doing what loyalists do. So, okay. Uh, more on all of them as I unpack the the rest of it for you. But okay, I think yeah. this is a good place to stop, actually, because the first episode is the establishing episode, and then. I'm going to go episode by episode because the, and, and we can definitely stop down for different things. Yeah. Um. But uh, so far, what have you gleaned? <laughs> that, that you can, you can take the actions of the Trumpian Republican party mm-hmm. 
uh, run them through a a blender of fantasy tropes mm-hmm. without without like like the tropes go through a blender and and just you know wrap like you know like 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 wrap republican politics up in a burrito of fantasy tropes maybe it's a better analogy to use mm-hmm. fling it up on screen and and no matter how much fairy dust and mystical energy of the planet woo woo you throw at it it's just gonna be that obvious that like holy fuck how evil can you get yep and and the saddest part of it is hearing all of that Mm -hmm. there's a part of me that thinks you know who really needed to watch this show and didn't were were a whole host of you know maga types like no 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 your your people your people right there that's that's that is that is that is what they are doing do you not understand like you know what i mean like that that yeah he's 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 white on his left and black on his right you know that level of right i'm going to drop a, a deuterium anvil on your fucking head do you not get this and and that's that's my first thought and then a moment later i think well no because the moment they recognize that they would reject it out of hand as you know liberals calling people names right and and flee from it and it's like no <laughs> there's there's analogy here but sad mm-hmm. so sad so like sad. really like, yeah that's literally that's quoted from i don't know how many tweets like for fuck's yeah. sake the and... thing that got me though was the the you know we are we are big they're small like they they need yeah. to be ruled and i'm like oh i can't type fast enough for this <laughs> <laughs> like what what my thesis is escaping. I need it. Right. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's huge. Um, and there's also, um, how to put this, there is, if you look at humanity through a particular kind of lens, there is a grain, there is a morsel of truth to the fact that there are, Mm-hmm. There are people who don't want to have to make the decisions. They want to have somebody who they recognize as somehow legitimate, you know, be the one to make those decisions for them. And they will fight for that person to have that power mm-hmm. over them and everybody else as long as they think they are part of that demagogue, leader, dictator, whatever you want to say, as, as long as they are part of as long as they 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 identify as being proximity to power being part of that leader's group yeah proximity yeah. to power or 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 if yep it's not even this is like like you know i'm i'm sure if if you ask a number of you know uh and i'm not i don't mean this term to be to be derogatory it's it's just you know if you ask enough uh i'm not going to use the term i'm going to say if you ask enough you know working rural working class rural white americans They wouldn't think they have proximity to Donald J. Trump, but they 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 believe that they recognize that he is Kith to them. Yeah, okay. There that that there's that there's that there is that, 
it's not necessarily proximity, but it is it is connection and kind. Yeah. And and as long as they think that that connection is there, they you're going to have a very hard time getting them to recognize how, no, as a matter of fact, this guy is actually victimizing you more than he's doing anything to me. He, the actual conservative who you think is, you know, a commie lib. Right. You know, because I actually think there's value in, in democratic norms and human rights. Like, right. you know, yep. <laughs> he's, no, he's not actually doing that much to me. He's economically hurting you. It, but he's also directly. hurting the people who deserve to be hurt. And that's well, yeah. And you know. and yes. And that's and that's and, and that's and that's where your analogy for the scientist comes in. And mm-hmm. I, I can't I can't I can't argue against that. So yeah. No, it's it's yeah. Um I think it's it's interesting that this sounds so far like a remarkably clear-eyed uh, allegory and and satire of everybody involved, like, you know, on, on, on both the right and, and the moderate left, you know, within, within American politics. And I, I think it remarkable that the people in the writer's room um, – were willing to go that hard in the paint for lack of for lack of a better phrase i yeah yeah i think we come back to ubu roy you can do with puppets what you can't do on stage <laughs> this is true that's yeah. a good point yeah and yeah and and you know we keep we keep coming back to ubu roy <laughs> And and the fact that anytime we get into American politics after 2014, we come back to Ubu Roy <laughs> makes me increasingly disturbed about the world I'm living in. It's a stunning indictment, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it really is. Uh, hey, so what are you going to recommend for people to read? Um, I'm going to recommend people uh, go back and read the original Marvel if you can find it. I don't know if they've put it online, but if you can if you can find it anywhere. Uh, as an adaptation of a film, I actually do think that the Marvel adaptation of the original Dark Crystal is one of the better ones anybody's done. Um, and then there's just the nostalgia value of it for me. Oh, yeah. But so that that would be my recommendation. Uh, what about you? Uh, I'm going to actually recommend a book called The Pun Also Rises. How the humble pun revolutionized language, changed history, and made wordplay more than some antics. By John Pollock. Never met the man. I hate him already. <laughs> really? Yep. Really? I it's mean, a good book. it's fun. You kind of have to, if, if that's what the book is going to be about, you kind of have to do that. But yeah. God damn it. Yep. Even, not even into the introduction, like on the cover, you have to attack us like that. Yeah. Like, oh, and man. there's there's some where I'm just like, like, bro, you wouldn't last in my show, like you wouldn't. Uh, some of the puns that he gives, but yeah, yeah, but others, you know, that he has in there because he see he he seeds the history that he talks about with with puns, obviously, um, mm-hmm. and it works by and large, it works, um. But yeah, some of them like, oh man, I used to make that one as just kind of a throwaway. 
like that that's the one you're ending it on and you know that kind of stuff see now i actually mm-hmm. want to try to contact this guy and have him as a guest on the show just so you can you know Eat metaphorically look across the table at him and go you, you can't hang <laughs> i just i dare I just, you to I come out wanna, yeah you come out on. here to sacramento well, you be yeah, on my I will, show i will show you <laughs> yeah so uh oh hey where can people find you if Very they cool. want to find you uh let's see i can be found um in an increasingly small number of places um i don't know if twitter has imploded yet i haven't been on yet in the last 24 hours um, if it has not, I am there as a uh, cat fetcher. Uh, um, and then TikTok, which is still, uh, clicking right along. Uh, you can find me as Mr. Underscore Blaylock. And, uh, we collectively, if Twitter has not gone up in a ball of blue feathered flame, uh, we can be found at, uh, geek history time on Twitter. And our website of course is at www.geekhistorytime.com. Wherever it is that you found us, because you're listening to me say all of this right now, you have found us. Um, please take the time to, uh, give us a like subscribe if you haven't done it already and give us the five-star review that, you know, we have earned, uh, recommend us to your friends and family um and yeah how about you where can you be found sir uh you know digitally um not very many places are all that exciting for me right now so you know i lurk don't bother um unless you want to send me cool shit that you think i haven't seen before that's always fun um but uh so you can find me at duh harmony one on tiktok if you want to like send me cool shit um duh harmony on tiktok and insta if you want to send me cool shit uh yeah, that takes care of that. If you want to come see me do puns in a show, uh, let's see, by the time this drops, January 6th, we are going to have a show at Luna's in Sacramento at 8 p.m., show proof of vaccination. Um, and, you know, you'll have an alibi for where you were on January 6th that that is both believable and good and not a stain on your soul. Um, and then February 3rd, we'll actually be at Henry's Bar downtown in Sacramento. Um, expanding our reach a little bit, uh, doing capital punishment there. So those are the those are the places you can find us. So, right. uh, yeah. Well, for a geek history of time, I'm Damien Harmony, and I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling twenties. <laughs>